This is Thoughts from the Metal Cavern, where only one opinion matters, and it's not yours. Welcome to this week's edition of the Hindsight Report, the show where we discuss sports and other world affairs with the benefit of knowing the result, or just ignoring the blindingly obvious, and proving just what a powerful tool that hindsight can be. This is where opinions can be expressed based on a basic zero amount of knowledge and expert opinion, all with the likelihood that it comes crashing down around us in the fullness of time. This week we're going to concentrate on the outcome of Match 2 of the 2023 Rugby League State of Origin series, which the media, generally the game's exclusive host, the Nine Network in Australia, constantly berated us with what was the most important and greatest match two in history. On the back of the shellacking Queensland once again handed the hapless New South Wales side by 32 points to 6, today we'll take a look at three serious aspects of the current state of the State of Origin series. Firstly, we'll look at the game itself, and just where the winning and losing of the match, and what effect several incidents within the game contributed to that scoreline. Secondly, we'll take a look at the coaches and their selection issues and ponder just what the final outcome of Game 2 holds in store for them going forward. Thirdly, we'll dissect the TV coverage of the match itself and wish that our 14-year-old son was not interested in watching the match in the future so that we could all just turn over to something else. That's today's discussion on the Hindsight Report, where opinions and conclusions can be considered as reliable as the interpretation of the forward pass. Right here, on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. pretty much two ways you can look at the game itself that occurred last night as I'm speaking to you on this podcast between Queensland and New South Wales and it's basically that if you're a Queensland supporter you would say it was the greatest performance you've ever seen from a Queensland team ever on top of all the other 50 billion greatest performances ever of a Queensland team through the history of state of origin football. Of course, if you're a New South Wales supporter, you'd be looking at several aspects of what's going on and suggesting that the game itself stinks. In the long run, let's face the facts. New South Wales might be able to list things that went against them, and we can look at some of those now. Firstly, the fact that Tom Trebojevic was off in the second minute of the game, having done a pectoral muscle trying to put a tackle on someone around their shoulders instead of around their legs, and he went off and he was gone for the match, which there were several things wrong with that. Firstly, it left New South Wales with just three reserves for the rest of the match, which in a game such as this actually ends up being a pretty tough ask. Secondly, the selectors had no backs on the bench, which was a joke of a selection. Instead of going with a balanced bench, they decided that they were going to pick two hookers, whereas in the first game they only picked one, 
And even though they picked two last year, that worked okay for New South Wales last year. But this year, having gone with one in the first game, why do we suddenly go with two in the second game? Because that particular hooker was injured. Did we really need two men to fill his position? Well, at the two-minute mark of the first half, the answer to that was, no, what we really needed was the man who was nominated as the 18th man in Matt Burton. Matt Burton can play 5'8", he can play halfback, he can play centre, and he can play fullback. The perfect man to come on in a situation where your main centre has been injured and gone for the match. But no, New South Wales instead had to go with someone who wasn't a centre. And to be honest, that stuffed up New South Wales' backline moves for the rest of the game. Because the man that the coach decided was going to replace uh, Trebojevic as centre was the replacement hooker, Damien Cook. Now, poor old Damien Cook is going to end his career with this game being replayed for him forever. A guy who came in and did his absolute best in a position that he is not used to, and the opposition exploited that perfectly. Now, as Damien Cook was the only try scorer for New South Wales, some may say, well, he did okay. But you could see that defensively and attackingly, he just wasn't in the right position at the right time. And in attack, that really hurt New South Wales being able to use their back line. And in defence, it allowed Queensland to get through those gaps much easier than they would have apart from that. So the fact that New South Wales lost cohesion in the back line with that and the fact that Damien Cook really isn't a centre and, and uh, was forced to defend as a centre for most of the match was very unfortunate for New South Wales. Then, of course, you've got the two tries that were scored in the first half by Queensland that were, well, let's not boot around the bush. They were disgraceful. The fact that they were awarded is an absolute disgrace upon, firstly, the bunker, and then, secondly, the officials on the ground. So the first try was uh, disallowed by the referee and sent up to the bunker, saying that he felt there was a knock-on uh, with Josh Adokar going to try and catch the ball. That was proven to be incorrect. And so everyone thought, oh, well, now we've got to go to the grounding. And you looked at the grounding, and there is no doubt that the ball was bounced in the end goal. And I don't care about the fact that the bunker actually awarded the try. I don't care that Queensland supporters are going to say, yes, if you slowed it down to the 1 16th amount of speed, you can see there is one frame out of the four million frames where it appears that a finger from the Queensland player is on the ball at the time that the ball is also touching the ground. So that is downward pressure. So that's a try. Well, it's just rubbish. We need to get away from this slowing down the ball to check things like this. You need to watch it at full speed or at least three-quarter speed and just let the play flow and make a judgment call on that. Because if you are getting down to this nth degree, it is a joke. And honestly, and again, I say this because I don't care what anyone else thinks, looking at that, it still seemed to me that the ball was bounced in the end goal and was not downward pressure. It was a disgraceful decision by the bunker. And once again, just proves... Why do we even bother having a bunker? Why are we spending all this money on having on a bunker when they are making ridiculous decisions like this? And then, of course, the second try, which had not one, but two forward passes to complete the try. And it was obvious to everybody. There is no one watching Rugby League, watching that game, who disagreed with the fact that it was, there were two forward passes. Except the officials on the ground who were right there to make the decisions, the referee and the two linesmen. 
none of them bothered to put up their hands and say that was a forward pass. And in this situation, where if you'd gone to the bunker, you could absolutely 100% say that it was a forward pass. I mean, Tabuai Fido was in front of the man who passed the ball to him, let alone the fact that it then went another metre forward after that. And you're telling me that we can't tell from the bunker whether that ball is forward. And then the ball, when then for the last play, when it was also forward. And suddenly, Queensland are at 10-0. Why do we bother having linesmen if they will refuse to make these calls? And they must be refusing, because how could anyone not tell that that ball was forward if you were a linesman? They just decided to let it go, and if it got called up by the ref, they'd say, yeah, yeah, I agree, it was forward. And if it's not, well, the bunker can't rule it anyway, so they're sweet. None of those officials in that game should be refereeing this weekend, because they are just a joke. And then you've got the bounce of the ball that occurred for New South Wales, which was unfortunate, again, with a ball for the try that was scored in the second half by Queensland, the ball, as the rugby league ball will do, and when things are going against you, the ball will bounce away from you and will bounce straight into the hands of your opponents who will then run away and score. So all of these things and several other things could be brought up by New South Wales as a list as to what went against them in that game. But it doesn't take away the fact that the Blues had more possession than Queensland. They had better field position than Queensland, and they had an 8-2 penalty count in their favour for the whole match, and yet they could only score one try in the whole 80 minutes. They were completely outplayed. Now, Queensland's defence may well have been offside, especially when it came to the end of that first half. They should have been penalised, but they weren't, and they got two plays in New South Wales to try and score a try to get it to 10-4 or 10-6 at halftime. And Queensland were holding down the play the ball. They were obviously offside, standing offside. And yet the referee just waited for the full uh, halftime siren to go, and then he called play off. So the point being still, the Queensland's defence was magnificent last night, and they had three attacking opportunities, really, in that first half, in their opposition's half, and they scored off two of them. Both of them were not tries, don't get me wrong, but at least they crossed the line with the ball there. And of course, New South Wales couldn't do that at all. So there's no doubting the fact that Queensland was the better side. They were the more enthusiastic side. They wanted to win more than New South Wales. No matter what New South Wales supporters, coaching staff, um, long-time past players will tell you, Queensland wanted this game more. And even though they had no possession no field position, and a lack of penalties, they still won the game by a massive margin. Let's talk about the coaches. And there's the two differing opinions of what these two coaches have done in the past as players and then what they were going to do as coaches. And let's face it, Fittler's coaching stint as New South Wales coach has been beset by unorthodox selections. And these unorthodox selections, uh, honestly, have cost New South Wales at least two series and probably three series. 
if we look back, somehow, Fittler won his first two series as coach of New South Wales. And he was being hailed as the Messiah. And we were looking for the brand new... Um, this was going to be how the Blues were going to just win forever. This was going to be their time after Queensland had won for so many years. And then we came to the COVID series of 2020, which was held at the end of the season and was held like in three separate weeks, one after the other. And again, it was the worst Queensland side ever chosen, apparently. But of course, somehow, you know, someone comes in, Wayne Bennett, of course, and finds a way to win the series 2-1. Again, through what you would suspect were poor selection decisions by the coach and his selection staff. That first game that they lost was terrible in that series. And then they won game two and lost game three. 2021, (coughs) New South Wales won the first two games convincingly in northern Queensland and then at Lang Park. It was ridiculous how much they... That was in complete control. And everyone thought, oh, last year was just a blip, it's all okay. And then in the third game, despite the fact New South Wales had some injuries, they got smashed. Absolutely smashed. And then we had 2022, which was last year. And again, we had some strange selections in that first game. And again, New South Wales lost the first match of the series. And then they changed the selections around again to what they should have been in the first game and New South Wales won. And then in the third game, they probably just thought they had to turn up to win because they are so good. And I'm sure that's pretty much what they were being told. And yes, they got beaten. And so Billy uh, <coughs> Billy Slater, in his first year's Queensland coach, came away with a victory. This year's been more of the same. More selections, just un. Unbelievable selections when you think about it. Uh, Of course, we spoke about last week about the fact that Nico Hines had been picked on the bench. He'd been given 11 minutes, thrown into the centres because of the injury to, well, again, guess who? Uh, And then he coughed up a try. He let someone through to score a try, which won the game. And then New South Wales halfback suddenly is injured for this game. But he's not picked as the halfback. In fact, he's not even picked in the squad. And how did that look to everybody that you think that this guy has been the best player in club football for 18 months, but he's not good enough to play for New South Wales when the number one halfback has been taken out? And he can't even make the squad anymore. Now, Mitchell Moses was chosen to play halfback. He had a reasonable game. He did some good things in the first half and went probably went missing in the second half. But isn't that the perfect time to bring in a guy who runs his club, despite what we listened to Gus Gould and other people saying last week? He runs that Cronulla club. He's the one who runs every play. He touches the ball in every play. And he's the guy New South Wales needed, and he wasn't picked. And then the guy they need on the bench, of course, Matt Burton, instead of, you know, so someone there who could cover any backline position. Oh, no, if someone gets injured in the back line, we'll just throw someone in there. Well, you didn't expect it after two minutes, sure. But you're supposed to cover those possibilities. It was just absolutely, crazily ridiculous and just poor selections. And again, the message coming from the coach just doesn't seem to be right. Fittler's coaching 
is going the same way that he did when he coached the Roosters. And that was a long time ago now. He started with a bang, came in with all guns blazing into a team that had been built up by his predecessor and won a few games at the end of the season. And everyone thought, here we go, Freddie's going to turn the Roosters around and make them a premiership force. And the following year, everything started to fall apart. And when the going got tough, Freddie had no answers. Well, that's been exactly the same here as for New South Wales. When everything was going great four or five years ago, everything was fine for New South Wales and Freddie. As soon as it started getting tough, Freddie just can't handle it. You look at Billy Slater, who came in, and honestly, he was probably the last person that all of us expected would actually become the coach. We sort of thought maybe Thurston would, or Cameron Smith would, or someone else with some experience would become the coach. But no, they trusted Billy Slater. He's built his own team around him. He's picked some players uh, out of nowhere a little bit in the last two years, but every single one of them has delivered. And none more so than Daly Cherry Evans at halfback, who's now leading this team. So everything that he's doing is turning to gold. Now, will he go the same way that Fittler has? You can't see it, can you? Because it's a different mentality and it's a different situation with the uh, Queensland team than it is for New South Wales. I don't think anyone, anyone believes that Fittler will survive this series. Uh, no doubt he will coach the third game this series, but there's just no way they can bring him back again next year having this kind of record and just the, the chaos that seems to surround the New South Wales team. What New South Wales need is a coach with no media interests who just wants to coach. I mean, the last two years has just been a Channel 9 festival rather than a true footy series. We go to Freddie in the box. We go to Billy in the box. Let the guys coach. We shouldn't be talking to them during the game. It's just a carry-on, as if to say, look at us at Channel 9. These guys are uh, employed by us, and we can do whatever we like. We can interview them whenever we like, and we can get brilliant insights, which are never brilliant insights, because he's just saying, yeah, that's what's happening here. Oh, yeah, that's what's happened there. We don't want insights from the coaches. You know what we actually want? We want insights from the commentators. And that brings me to the next point. Let's not boot around the bush. Channel 9's coverage of rugby league in general, but especially the State of Origin series, is abysmal. Completely and utterly chaotic. And it's painful from start to finish. From the time they start with the pre-game crap and they have 72 people that they have to talk to to the time we get into the game until then after that we have the post-game crap and there's 42,000 people we have to speak to. All employed by Channel 9, all former greats of the game who are now offering their opinions exclusively to Channel 9. Well, it's crap. Their main commentator, and look, I could have researched this properly and actually found out what his name is because I don't know. Because I don't watch Channel 9, I watch Fox. And only time I watch Channel 9 is four games a year and that's three State of Origin games and it's one grand final because they are not shown on Fox. And if they were, I'd be watching them. So I don't know his name 
But he is dreadful, awful. He sensationalizes everything. He starts yelling at the start of the game and it hasn't even started. And these excitement levels then have to go up depending on what's happening with a hit or a tackle or a pass or a drop ball. And everything he says, says it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. The number of times I've heard him talk about this as the greatest origin game ever in the last two years is ridiculous. Has this guy even watched origin before? Does he know what origin's about? Or is he just going to keep saying this kind of shit until our ears bleed? He is dreadfully awful and is very make, look takes the enjoyment away from the game. But he's not the only one. Because we also have Andrew Johns and Cameron Smith in the commentary box. And how good's that? Because Cameron Smith's just there to fangirl the Queensland players. That's what he does. And he generally doesn't even say anything until a Queensland player does something really good. And then he says, oh my goodness, Daily Cherry Evans, what a great chase that was. Oh, what a magnificent kick. Oh, Cameron Munster, you're amazing. How do you do all this kind of stuff? That's the kind of stuff we get out of Cam Smith. But that is actually, hard as it is to believe, better than what we get from Andrew Johns. Because Andrew Johns only ever, ever offers negative Shit. He's just trying to be Gus Gould, the way Gus Gould has been for the last 20 years. Gus Gould started out as one of the best analyzers of rugby league that you could listen to. When he'd finished coaching and he started commentating on Channel 9 as just the, anal- as the analyst, he was brilliant. He could see things happening in the game before they happened, and it was terrific. And he and Peter Sterling and Paul Vorton together worked fantastic. And rugby league was worth watching when those guys were doing it. And then Gus Gould started to believe that he was more important than the game. That his opinions were more important than the game. That he was the one who actually set what was going on in the game. And so then he started to tell us this kind of stuff. And then he would start to sprout drivel when something happened that he didn't like. And we'd hear about it every single week. And now we've got Andrew Johns. And that's all he does. He shakes his head. He goes, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. I can't believe they've given that tackle. I can't believe they've called that high. That's not a shoulder charge. Come on, just let them play. And one of the worst things you ever hear is, this is origin. That's, that's, you can't call that. This is origin. It's just different. There's different rules. There are not different rules. It's the same freaking game, Andrew. And You can't keep telling me that a guy like last night who got tackled around the neck and was held around the neck in a chokehold pretty much and if the fullback had actually twisted his arms just a little bit he would have broken this guy's neck and he's pulled him down and it it was like a wrestling hold and yet Andrew John said, oh, how is that a high tackle? What a fucking idiot you are, Andrew Johns. My goodness, I can't believe that we have to listen to that rubbish. You're supposed to be an, an, an analyst of the game. You're supposed to be offering us opinions on what's happening in the game and what's going to happen. It's as we all feared. We never knew how much we were going to miss Peter Sterling until he was gone. He was there every week and he didn't say anything. And then when he saw something, that's when he spoke. And that's what he offered. And he offered insight to the game. And he offered what has happened here and what could have happened there and what may happen in the future. We don't get any of that anymore. 
All we get is just whinging from Andrew Johns and bloody Cameron Smith taking his shirt off and waving to all the Queensland players saying, look at me, look at me. I can't believe I've had to put up with this shit three times a year because Channel 9 had the exclusive rights. Anyway, that's probably over for that. But the commentary is awful. We know that. I hate them when they go to the coaches. I hate when they go to the dressing rooms and look at what's going on in the dressing rooms for an hour before the game and then at all the time through halftime and then an hour after the game. Give the players some sanctuary. We don't need to see what's going on in the dressing rooms. Let's just, if you have to talk, talk about the game and then forget about everything else. It's just an amazing waste of time. And that's what makes this so hard to watch now. And I honestly believe that as I've said earlier, if my 14-year-old son did want to watch it, I could quite happily not watch State of Origin football ever again. Because the game doesn't matter anymore. What matters more is promoting Channel 9, making Channel 9 being the biggest thing in the world, and oh, look, we've also got this State of Origin game, and every State of Origin game is the greatest ever because they're showing it. Now, if they didn't have the rights, there'd be nothing said on Channel 9 about state of origin how great the game is or anything like that and that's where the problem lies if they just went back to broadcasting the game and during the game we have our analysts telling us about the game as it's happening and just let the commentator call the game and don't get into histrionics and just call what's happening in the game we'd be back to the 90s and the 80s again back when Rugby League was great to listen to. Back when we listened to Rex Mossop, or then we'd have Graham Hughes and Ian Maurice. And even the days of Ian Maurice and Daryl Eastlake calling it on Channel 9. Remember those days? They had their own little thing, but at least we had the commentators calling the game, and then we had analysts telling us about the game. And we don't have that anymore. And I don't think it can be fixed. I don't think... This can be fixed until it's taken away from Channel 9 and given to someone else and let them try and do something with it without just trying to shove it down our fucking throats. So as you may have guessed, <laughs> I, I, I can't... Uh, I don't know what it is. Is it that I hate New South Wales losing? Which is always part of it. Do I, is it because I hate the fact that bad decisions have cost New South Wales, which they have? Is it because I don't like Brad Fittler? Because it is. Or is it just the state of the coverage that we get of the game and the, the complete shithouse commentary that we have to put up with because they think it's entertaining and they think that's what we want to hear? And that most definitely is it. Because I know that when I've watched the game three last year I turned off the sound and I had music on instead as I sat here with my son watching the game and it was much more enjoyable we didn't know exactly what was going on with you know some the referee calling up you know plays and whatever and I'd had to message other people in my chat groups to ask them what the hell was going on because I refused to turn it up to find out but the game was so much more enjoyable even though Queensland won and it didn't worry me because I was less pissed off about the game because I couldn't hear these bleeding yelly idiots on TV talking about it. So there's probably the answer. If we can get to a point where we did some 15, 20 years ago 
at, on um, pay TV at the time, you could actually choose just to hear the crowd and not hear any commentary at all with, when you're watching the football. And that was fantastic. And if we could get back to that, I think Rugby League and the State of Origin Series would be much better for everyone. Enough? <laughs> Probably. I'll go and take a lie down, shall I? For those of you who have bothered to listen, thank you for getting in through this far in uh, this week's Hindsight Report. Only the origin this week because it really did piss me off. Uh, next week, I'll hopefully will mix it up again for you. Uh, if you've got any ideas of things I should be uh, ranting about, you know where to get in contact with me through all the usual channels. And uh, there are other things on here too. Of course, the cricket's going on in England so that you can tune into the Casual Man Catter, which is coming out probably every week now. And we have this. Hopefully more movies coming out shortly with uh, my lovely wife, Helen, and a couple of other ideas I've got up my sleeve. Again, though, for those who are here, thank you for tuning in and listening and supporting this podcast. And I do hope that you'll come back next week and not only check out the Hindsight Report, but everything else that's going on right here on Thoughts from the Metal Cavern. Cheers. You have been listening to a Metal Cavern production.